Welcome back to this dumpster fire that we call a podcast. This week, we're diving into Lauren's head. She's doing a celebratory dance at that statement. No, I was dancing with the theme music. Welcome back, nerds with undiagnosed ADHD. We're so happy to have you on Hyperfocus. We are pumped that you're back for another week because, I mean, we say it every episode, but we're baffled that people keep coming back. Yeah, absolutely shocked. I mean, we think we're funny, so we knew that you guys would appreciate it, but we appreciate you actually having the attention spans, like remember to come back to the podcast. Okay, so speaking of coming back to the podcast, I've been meaning to tell you something, but I just keep forgetting. Mm. So do you remember in the last episode... We were talking about um, how we didn't have any water and we were like begging the spirit of Voitech to give us our showers back. Yes. I, yeah. So while I was editing that specific moment, while we were literally saying we want, I wanted to recant my statement that uh-huh. we didn't deserve showers uh-huh. and pleading the spirit of Voitech to give us our water back, that's the exact moment our water came, on, came back on. Wow. It was beautiful. Thank you, Voitech. <laughs> It's going to be a running theme in our podcast. Anything that goes wrong, we ask for Voitex help. Yes, I think that that's correct. I like that. I just really wanted to share that with you. Okay, what do you have for me today? Last week, you hosted our podcast. Yes, it was it was wonderful, amazing, beautiful, show-stopping. Yes, and we all learned a lot, but no Rachel... Buts. No buts. Whenever you host a podcast, of course, some apologies do have to be made on your behalf. Sometimes you say things... Sometimes you offend people. Uh, That's okay. That's why I'm here as your co-host. I think everything I've ever done has been 100% perfect. So um, I'm going to add that into my list of apologies. So first thing I'd like to apologize for this week in our eight second apologies, um, which you guys I'm sure know by now are longer than eight seconds, but it's the, it's the idea of eight seconds. Um, but first thing I wanted to apologize for is the fact that Rachel thinks everything that she does is perfect. It is. That's that's a fact. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. The second thing is um, I wanted to apologize to all the people who self-identify as empaths who are not true empaths and learned that in Rachel's episode. <laughs> I also wanted to apologize to all the people who came for a fun, lighthearted content and then had to learn about the dark triad, in- triad instead. Oh, that is fun. What do you mean? See, I think it's fun. But mom, I know you're here for fun, light content. Although it was very interesting. I have to say, those are really the only things I had to apologize for. And neither of them are actually something Rachel did wrong. So maybe she's proving her point here. I'm always right. It's not my fault if people are offended by the truth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, so Rachel. So Lauren. Do you like history? I feel like we've been over this. I'm having some deja vu. Mm, Yeah, that's fair. Except it was the other way around. Um, I'm going to tell you today about Violet Jessup who was... This sounds so familiar. You probably have heard her name before, but I'm going to give you a lot of details on her life. Okay. She was like the luckiest of the unlucky. I'm not giving you any other details on her life because if I tell you why she's famous, that'll take my point away. Okay. Okay. So hit me. All right. So we're going to start with her childhood. Um, She was born on October 2nd in 1887 to an Irish family in Argentina. Um, When she was very young, she... Wait, they're an Irish family. Irish family in Argentina in the 1800s. That's not something you hear every day. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's very interesting. Um, When she was very young, she contracted tuberculosis, 
Um, but she survived it, defying what the doctors predicted. Wonderful. So there you go. She was, that's one very early example of her being very unlucky to contract tuberculosis and very lucky to survive it. That's what I was going to say. It sounds like she's lucky. Yeah. So that's the conversation I think we should have at the end of this episode. So listeners, be thinking about that. Do you think she's lucky or unlucky? (gasps) I'm I'm, I'm excited for that. All right. So her father was a sheep farmer, but he died when Violet was 16 or 17 years old. Um, And then her mother's health also started declining at that point so she did a lot of work to help taking care of her younger siblings um her mom also was working as a stewardess at, at the time for like cruise ships so she was gone a lot which was another reason why violet was helping to take care of her siblings violet was also a devout catholic and she went to convent school and was often described as very beautiful which is important later um there will be that's, pictures of her up that's on, important always it was always important and there are going to be pictures of her up on our instagram so you can go and admire her beauty yourselves as violet's mother's health declined she wasn't able to work as a stewardess anymore which is when violet went and worked as a stewardess herself she was about 21 years old and she did that to help support her family because her mom couldn't anymore So one thing was that she did actually struggle to find a job as a stewardess because she was so attractive in order to actually get hired. Wait, okay. Yeah. I have heard this before. I Mm -hmm. don't remember any, anything, but that, that brought back a deep memory. Interesting. I don't remember anything else about her, but I, now that I've heard that. I remember you said that you read Mental Floss, right? Um, occasionally. Her story was covered by Mental Floss, so it's possible that you've run across it before. Possibly. Mm -hmm. But anyway, she was very attractive, but in order to get hired, she actually wore old clothes and absolutely no makeup so that the employers would think that she was less attractive um i wish that was a problem i had rachel you would never get hired as a stewardess you're way too attractive thank you (laughs) i was like very alexis rose thank you (laughs) i hated it i loved it rachel it brought out a different side of you Uh, that's a side no one needed to see (laughs) um But despite her best efforts, she actually received three separate marriage proposals from people on ships. One of them was from a very wealthy first-class passenger. So arguably, that would have been a good one to accept, but she didn't. I've... I've had some marriage proposals. Mm, Yeah? uh, In my Instagram DMs. Good. Yeah? Good. Uh, I will never accept one of those. You know, just just letting people know. If but she will accept your love letters. I will accept love letters, mm-hmm. but I will not accept a marriage but proposal in an Instagram DM just in case you were considering. Right, just right. I want to save you that pain. Um, she started working on the Olympic in 1910, and she would work. Wait, when was she born? She was born in 1887, so she was 23, she was 23. when she started. I was working thinking on the she Olympic. was younger. Okay. She would work 17 hours a day for the White Star Line, which was the company that owned the Olympic. Um, and she kept a rosary in her apron. Some of her tasks were making beds, sweeping the floors, picking up clothes, and taking care of sick passengers. That sounds like a nightmare, taking care of sick passengers on a cruise ship. Yeah, but then they're proposing to you and they're very rich. You gotta weigh your options here, Rachel. That that does make the proposal a little more interesting. Oh, that's true. If they're, like, old and rich mm-hmm. and sick. Are you saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Listeners, if you're old, rich, and sick, Rachel (laughs) might accept your Instagram DM proposal. Just lead with that. (laughs) She's she's not wrong. (laughs) Um, So working on the Olympic in 1911, she was working on the Olympic ship, which was at the time the largest civilian luxury liner. um, And she was working on it when it collided with a British warship, the HMS Hawk. Um, In this collision, there was a lot of damage done to the ship, but it did return to port safely and so they made it through and the ship was repaired that was really scary stuff like she actually survived 
the ship being impacted. Lucky or unlucky? Mm, lucky. Lucky? Okay. Well, we'll see how we feel as we move forward. Did everyone else survive? Like, were there a lot of deaths? I don't think there were a lot of deaths in that collision. There wasn't a lot about it. Um, So I think that they were able to make it to shore. Um, Different sources. Well, they were. I saw one source that said there weren't any. Some said there were some. I wasn't 100% sure on that. Okay. Um, So once this happened on the Olympic, Violet was reassigned to the Titanic. Mm -hmm. Um, That, I I remembered that like five minutes ago. Like, that was the only thing I can remember. Yeah, yeah. And it was after I said, this brought back a memory. Like, it was like four minutes after that. (laughs) Not that we've been even recording for that long, but whatever. That was the one thing I remember. It's like, oh, she gets on the Titanic. But that's it. There's... All right. Please. All right. Bring me... Bring back my memories. Of course. Um, that she was back on the Titanic. It was less than one year after the incident on the Olympic. She actually wrote that quote, I do not like big ships and I was secretly afraid. She was boarding the Titanic, so she had good reason to be. One thing that is important for this story is the fact that she kept memoirs, which were rediscovered in 1996. So, so why she keep working on ships if she doesn't like it? Well, I think that she ended up growing to like it. It said that she quickly made friends with other crew members and passengers, and I think it was the community, and also that was the job her mom had done. So I think that that was what she decided to pursue, and she was successful at it. All right. So, okay. um, yeah, so she had good reason to be afraid as she boarded the Titanic. But they left port on the 10th of April, 1912. She wrote about Thomas Andrews, who was a guest that she admired, and she also said she was friends with Scottish violinist Jock Hume. Um, those are some of the only people that she actually mentions by name in her memoir, like famous people that she mentions. Four nights in, as you know the story of the Titanic, she felt a chill in the air, and she wrote in her memoir, quote, If the sun did fail to shine so brightly on the fourth day out, and if the little cold nip crept into the air as evening set in, it only served to emphasize the warmth and luxuriousness within, unquote. The warmth and luxuriousness. <laughs> I, I was going to leave that in. But well, we can leave it in. Um, <laughs> I wasn't looking at you to, to redo it. I just, the door slam threw me off and I looked back at you and forgot I was supposed to react. There are three people hosting this podcast. The first is me, the second is Rachel, and the third is all of our neighbors slamming their doors. Uh, every day. Every single day. So earlier in that evening, she remembered a Hebrew prayer that had been given to her by an old Irish woman who had urged her to pray it. The prayer was written to protect against fire and water, which was very interesting. Yeah. In deciding to actually pray it, she wrote, quote, my conscience, my conscience smote me, unquote. And she began- I love the word smote. Yes. I love the word smote. Gorgeous. We love it. Yeah, she. I think she was actually a really beautiful writer, just even in her quotes are so well written. Um, I haven't read all of her memoirs, but the quotes- Why that- not? Because I was researching- Because you're not dedicated enough to the podcast, is what I'm hearing? Let's move on. <laughs> Hey, hey, remember when you didn't read the book on Voitech? No. Listeners, do you remember when she didn't read the book on Voitech? You don't remember. She's on the Titanic. It's about to go on. Let's stop talking about you, Rachel. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Um, But she prayed the prayer that she found on that card, um, and she fell asleep. (laughs) She fell asleep and was awoken by a crash, which was when the Titanic hit an iceberg. No way. I know. Shocker. If you don't know the story of the Titanic... Spoiler alert, Go back to school. I can't believe you (laughs) you didn't give a spoiler alert. I'm moving on. She got up quickly when the Titanic hit the iceberg, as you would, and she went down to help the women and children get into the lifeboat, at which point she was ordered to get into a lifeboat in order to show the women that it was safe to get get into it because they Mm. were afraid. Um, Understandably so. This ship that's supposed to be this unsinkable ship is going down. So I would be afraid to get in the smaller ship that the same people made. Personally, I would be afraid to be in the sinking ship, but speak for yourself. (laughs) 
but she did get into the ship. She wrote, quote, calmly passengers strolled about. I stood at the bulkhead with the other stewardesses, watching the women cling to their husbands before being put into the boats with their children. Sometime after, a ship's officer ordered us into the boat first to show some women it was safe, unquote. So that was from her memoir recounting that Mm -hmm. incident. She was ordered to enter lifeboat number 16, and she recalled that someone shouted to her as her boat was being lowered, quote, here, Miss Jessup, look after this baby, unquote, and dropped the forgotten baby bundle to her. Um, what can I say? Ship happens. Thank you for that contribution, You're Rachel. so welcome. So we good. can end it here. I think we're done. I think we're done here. No, no. See you next she's, week. She's still trying to escape the Titanic, Rachel. We can't leave her here. It's not all about you. <laughs> <laughs> Jury's still out, but anyway. She prayed and comforted the baby. Meanwhile, the icy air was blasting her face, quote, like a knife, is what she recalled in her memoir about that incident. She wrote of the ship's sinking, quote, fascinated, my eyes never left the ship, as if by looking I could keep her afloat, unquote. And she began to count the decks from five, four, to three, to two, to none. Of, like, what was still above the water? Mm-hmm. What a morbid little game. So sad. Yeah. Fun little, fun little pastime. So she sat with the other passengers with someone else's baby. She doesn't know whose baby this is. She's sitting it's on It's her this baby life- now, it sounds like. Well, she's sitting on this lifeboat for eight hours until they were picked up the next morning by Carpathia. Um, and a woman came and grabbed the baby and ran off. What? The, apparently the woman's mom came and found... Fa- or- no, the woman who was the baby's mom came and found her with the baby and was like, oh, that must be my kid. And just no worries. It. So Violet wrote in her memoir, quote, I was still clutching the baby against my hard cork life belt I was wearing when a woman leaped at me and grabbed the baby and rushed off with it. It appeared that she put it down on the deck of the Titanic while she went off to fetch something. And when she came back, the baby had gone. I was too frozen and numb to think it's strange that this woman had not stopped to say thank you, unquote. Can you imagine being this woman and seeing this or like reading this incredible memoir and then reading that line that you forgot to say thank you? Um, I'm more concerned about the fact that she like just put her baby on the deck of a sinking ship. There, There's some issues here. There's a lot of issues here. There's a lot of issues here. There's a lot of issues. Yeah. I don't know if the biggest one is that she left her baby on the ship. Uh, I would say The ship's going down. I think Uh, it's the whole combination. I would say it's the leaving the baby on the ship. A total of 1,503 passengers died on the ship that night. Yikes. Yeah. So that was a lot of people that died. Um, One thing I wanted to mention, just as a total side note, I don't know if you've heard about the conspiracy that the Olympic and the Titanic were swapped. Have you heard this whole conspiracy? Probably, but I have not committed it to memory. Okay, that's fair. So basically, the theory is that the Olympic had been damaged, and the Olympic and the Titanic both existed. Mm -hmm. But in order to be able to collect insurance money on the Olympic, the company painted it over and rewrote the words onto it. Um, So wrote, titanic on the olympic and then collected the insurance money from those damages um which obviously is a huge conspiracy because there's an argument there that the company allowed 1503 people to die to receive insurance money and i was thinking about that and i was just wondering if violet would either be like appalled that people would have that conspiracy about this event in her life and these two ships that she worked on Uh, one of which she loved or if she'd be like i can't comment on that uh I think we bring up a theme here that we've been bringing up a lot, and that's time traveling. We should, yeah. We should go ask her. Let's send Voitech. We'll come with Moe's. Aww. <laughs> oh, the dream team. Yes. No, but I think Violet is amazing, so I don't think she would have been involved in anything sinister, but she may have been very interested to hear that conspiracy or completely appalled by the conspiracy. Um, 
you know, my suggestion would be to stop speculating about what someone would have thought mm. and move on with your story. <laughs> well, that's what I was about to do. So you would think that after two shipwrecks, she would have been done. One would think, yes. She was not done. She wrote in her memoir, quote, I knew if I meant to continue my sea life, I would have to return at once. Otherwise, I would lose my nerve. Why would you, why would you want to, what did she say, return to her sea life? Why would you want to do that? She must have loved it. She must have grown to love it. Or maybe it was she just, was just an, an adrenaline junkie and she wanted to do the thing that scared her. Could be, also could be the necessity if she didn't know how to do anything else. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a lot I'm of sure transferable she knew how to do many job things. skills with being a stewardess on a cruise ship. Oh, true. Yeah. Maybe well, she just enjoyed it. I, yeah. It's sounding like it. Yeah. After this, she said, but after the incident, kind of her outlook when she was working on the ship, because she went back to working on the Olympic, um, she said her outlook on people changed. She said, quote, I saw people and their aims with extreme clarity. Famous names and possessions no longer moved me. So she was very affected by the Titanic sinking. Sure. As, of course, you would be in that kind of a tragedy. So she rejoined the Olympic from 1912 to 1914, and then she went to shore and was trained as a nurse for the British Red Cross. However, working as a nurse, she combined her skills and went to work on the Britannic, which was a sister ship to the Titanic in the Olympic. Um, do you see where this is going? Yes, it's basically evil twins, but evil triplets of boats. Yes. <laughs> I love your historical assessment, Rachel. Thank you. Um, the Britannic had been converted to a hospital ship for World War I. Um, so she was still working on a ship, but she was now working in a different capacity as a nurse. On the 21st of November, 1916, when she was standing in the ship's pantry holding a teapot, yeah. I love that detail, the ship struck a mine that had been planted by a German submarine, and the explosion, the explosion sank the ship within the hour grounded them as they tried to get back to the more shallow water. She was an experienced shipwreck survivor, which has its perks. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's all I want on my resume. That's awesome. <laughs> so this time she actually remembered her toothbrush, which is something that she... Oh, good. That she, I was so worried. I was so worried. Well, that she, she remembered forget forgetting it when she, le when she like fled the Titanic. So she brought it when she had to flee the Britannic, which means she must have put down the teapot, run back, gotten her toothbrush, and then run to escape the sinking ship. Girl's got her priorities straight. She does. What can I say? Um, the first group of lifeboats went out, and they cleared the ship in plenty of time. Violet was not on the first group of lifeboats. Mm. So the second group... Um, it was just not risky enough for her anymore. Yeah. She had to, she had know, to wait up a the ante a little bit. Go get her bit. toothbrush. Yeah. yeah. She's got plenty of time. She's a seasoned vet. True. True. Well, maybe she thought she had plenty of time. Mm -hmm. But the second group of lifeboats that she was on didn't clear the propellers in time and they were running and out of the water. Her lifeboat was almost sucked underwater by the propeller blades, which she called, quote, a scene of slaughter, mincing up everything near them. Men, boats, and everything were one ghastly whirl, unquote. So she jumped into the water to escape the propeller. As she jumped into the water to escape, she hit her head on the keel of the ship. She was pulled back into a lifeboat and rescued by the Navy. So, okay, I know this is a horrible thought to have. Oh, no. But I'm basically just picturing a giant blender. Oh, no. But am I wrong? Like, that's that's what I'm... It's gruesome. It's bad. It's yeah. very bad. It's, yeah. it's not an image I want in my head, but it's there. Oh, it is. It is there. Mm. Yeah, like, I don't like that. Basically, what I'm picturing is that episode of SpongeBob. Mm-hmm where I don't even remember what happens. All I remember is that for some reason, the Flying Dutchman has a blender and yeah. he puts like SpongeBob and Patrick and Squidward and a bunch of fruit in it. And that's what I'm picturing. And oh no, 
Oh, that was really loud. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's where my head's at right now. Welcome back to Hyperfocus. <laughs> yeah, you might learn yeah. horrible things, but we'll have fun doing it. So later in her life, a doctor diagnosed her with having a skull fracture. So she wrote, quote, I escaped, but years later when I went to a doctor because of a lot of headaches, he discovered I had once sustained a fracture of the skull, unquote. He diagnosed her with physical trauma. From hitting her head on the keel of the ship. As is a surprise to nobody. Yep. So 30 people died in the sinking of the Britannic, which is, of course, horribly sad. But it's not as many people Why as the Titanic. But? Why is there a but? <laughs> I could see that coming. I was, was just of saying. Course, of course it's sad. No, no, I was saying there, that it wasn't it as many eyes. people as there the Titanic. Was, there was a but coming. I think that I read that it was because of the way that the Titanic how that all had happened they actually had like enough lifeboats on the britannic oh i thought you were saying on the, on the titanic it was like they did not no friend. on the britannic gotcha. they had enough gotcha. i think that that's true the titanic and the britannic crashes took the lives of 1533 people total but not violets girl like did she ever die well we're getting there <laughs> oh okay um i was gonna say she's immortal so actually in her late 30s she had what she called a brief and disastrous marriage <laughs> <laughs> she's like had so much disaster in her life that i feel like the, her bar for disaster is so high should be really high she's had a lot of things in her life that were brief and disastrous but she's like you know what this this was it this this is what pushed me over the edge what are you doing i'm trying to remember a name i thought i knew it okay good so there's one thing on the internet that i thought was very interesting about this specific story actually there are many there's things. a lot of things on the internet <laughs> um one thing, two of the sources I looked like said historians are baffled. Two of the sources you looked like? No, no, no. You look like your sources? I look exactly like my sources. Okay. No, two of the sources that I looked at said, oh yeah, nobody knows who she was married to. If you Google who she's married to, it immediately comes up with John James Lewis. Maybe she had multiple marriages. No, she just had one. So I don't know. Maybe there's just no record of him. They're like, here's the name, but who is he? Maybe, maybe. I think there's something weird going on there is my point. Yeah, I get, I get vibes. Historians are like, we don't know who she was married to. And Google's like, we know who she was married to. Well, I mean, who are you going to trust? Historians who have spent their years, all many years studying history or Google. I pick Google. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Although appara assume, apparently not in this situation. We're going to assume it's John James Lewis, but we really don't know for sure. Um, Violet continued working on ships until 1950. She traveled all... Shoot. Yeah. Like, what is that? So she was 63. 63. Man. Ooh, yep. Mental math. Good job, Rachel. You're I, I read you. it. Okay. Good job for your mental math. Um, she traveled all the way around the world twice. Um, when she retired at 63, she bought herself a thatched cottage in the Engli English countryside. I think she really deserved Sounds that. Sounds really low profile for her liking. Honestly, though, she had so much excitement in her life. She had time to sit down and write her memoirs, which this is when she worked on writing uh -huh. them. Um, I think she got to recount her excitement, but she got to relax finally. She had survived three shipwrecks in six years, and she got to just relax and enjoy being on the English countryside, away from ships and away from random men proposing to her. Nothing says relaxation like writing about the time you watched people get chopped up by a boat propeller. True, true. <laughs> oh, retirement. So another thing that was very interesting, there was one story told by her um, friend and biographer, John Maxtone Graham, who said that she apparently received a phone call from a woman she didn't know, like years later, while she was in retirement. <gasps> Is it? 
the woman just called and asked Violet. Did she say thank you? (laughs) (laughs) She just asked Violet if she had saved a baby during the Titanic tragedy. Yeah. When Violet said, yeah, I did. The woman said, I was the baby and hung up the phone. What? That was it. That was the whole phone call. That's so bizarre. So her friend and biographer was like, hey, it may have been a prank call. But Violet was like, I really don't think it's a prank call. So that's a very interesting story. So I was the baby. Rachel was not the baby. She's lying to you. I was just uh, intimidating. Yep. Imitating. You made that mistake the other day in like a previous episode. That's odd. But I was just imitating the baby as a woman. Yes. Okay. I thought you were like proclaiming yourself. I'm baby. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you were one of the kids that pranked her and called and said you were the baby. No, I'm just bringing back old memes that lasted for a week and saying that I'm baby. All right, so we really don't know. We'll never know if it was a prank call or if it was real, but I think that that's a very interesting thing that happened to her in her life. Um, I think either way, it kind of sucks. I think if you're going to prank somebody and be like, hi, I'm the baby you saved, that's a mean prank. Also, if you're the baby you sa- that she saved and you didn't say thank you again, it runs in the family. Mm, maybe. That also sucks, though. Like, why make that phone call? You're looking at me like I have an answer for you. <laughs> you looked like you had an answer, but you didn't give me one. I'm a little disappointed. Do you want me to come up with an answer right now? No, I'm good. Okay. So That's Violet what I Jessup was mi- nicknamed Miss Unsinkable or the world's most unsinkable woman. That's a line to have on your resume. That is a line to have on your resume. Um, I'm curious. Uh, have you ever heard of Unsinkable Sam? No. It's a cat that survived multiple ships sinking. They would have been best buddies. They would I wonder have. If they, maybe I wonder if she they, had the cat in her cottage. I was going to say if they'd lived at different times, maybe one was a reincarnation of the other. Oh, could be. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after escaping death so many times, she died of heart failure. In Probably. I want, I'm, 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 could be related. I'm, I'm going to say um, maybe some stress yeah could be factored in but just a little it was she didn't die until 1971 so she was 84 years old wow yeah yeah um she her, looked death in the eyes every day and said not today she did until she was 84 and then she's like i'm good i'm good <laughs> um her memoirs which were written when she was 63 were found in 1996 Another thing that I thought was very interesting, if you're enjoying the story and enjoying the history of these ships, recently plans have been unveiled by a Greek diving school to convert the Britannic into an underwater theme park for divers who are keen to witness the historic vessel for themselves. Isn't that the one that went brrr and chopped up all all the people? Yes. I'm only laughing because I don't know how to respond. Yeah. So Uh, I don't, I am not Nothing like profiting off of violence and death. Yeah. I do not have the guts to dive down. Uh, honey, that was a horrible pun. I'm so sorry. That's, I wasn't trying to make a pun. I know you weren't, but you made it and it's out there. I'm so sorry. I am not brave enough to (laughs) go down just to dive in general. Seeing the Britannic would be awesome. I'm not going diving to see the Britannic. So if any of you do that, I would, I would do it. If any of you do that, please feel free to take Rachel off my hands for a little bit. I I know I just said that it was a terrible thing to profit off of violence and death but i i I would kind of like to do that Mm. not profit off of it but i would kind of like to go diving yeah yeah well send us pictures um we would very much appreciate that so one thing that i kind of wanted to end this story with that i thought was really interesting i was reading about this on thecatholicspirit.com um Basically, they were talking about the fact that this story can speak now into as we look back on 2020 and on these experiences that we had the year that delivered more than one crisis in succession. Ooh. 
Um, they said, quote, as we process the fear and the lost, may we follow Violet's lead. We pray, we trust, we sail again. We try to make our corner of the ship a little better by being faithful and kind. And we hope that God is directing us to calmer waters, unquote. I just thought that was a really beautiful takeaway from this story. It is. And I just wanted to share that with you. It's very nice. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you for taking me away from the... Well, I was going to say thank you for taking me away from the talk of death for a little bit, but... I brought you to it also. You also did bring me to it, mm -hmm. yeah. But also thank you for that. Yeah, you're thank welcome. You, thank you for taking me into it as well, is what I'm saying. You are welcome. Are you done? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I said before that line that it was the end of it, so I didn't think about saying it again. Okay, well, you're done? Okay, well, thank you. That was uh, that was wonderful. Thank you. Um, I really enjoyed learning about it, and I really enjoyed sharing it with all of you. That sounded so scripted. I'm so sorry. It literally wasn't. I know. I know <laughs> it wasn't, but it just, it just sounded very scripted. I am a... Uh, I might never get on a boat again. Violet did. Yeah, I knew it was a lie when I said it. And yeah, getting on a boat yeah. immediately. Is it, did this motivate you? Actually, it might. <laughs> it might. It might make me want to get on a boat more. Yeah. Is that a bad thing to say? Is that terrible? We can decide later. <laughs> no, I. Uh, I haven't faced death enough recently. Mm. You haven't. No. You uh, have COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say I don't remember the last time I faced death. I don't think I faced death. You didn't face death with COVID because no. you didn't have had COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I gotta uh, gotta make my life a little more interesting, a little more uh, thrill, a little adventurous, and a little bit of spice. Next time you enjoy an adventure, remember Violet Jessup. Channel her spirit. Ooh. And Boytech. Oh man. Oh my goodness. I can't handle all of that power. Mm. I was trying to channel their power. Yeah. <laughs> it was overwhelming. It was too much. It was too much. <laughs> Couldn't do it. So you have to choose which of them based on the adventure you're going on, I think. If I'm on a ship, Violet, every time. If if I'm on a ship, Violet. If I'm at war, Voitech. Um, I, however, I, I don't know that either of those will be happening anytime soon. That's fair. So I'm going to have to find someone else. I honestly, honestly, most of the time I'm just channeling myself and that's, that's usually more than. That's pretty dang powerful. More than satisfactory. Correct. Yeah, yeah. We need to figure out a way to end this podcast. What if we just never ended it? Just kept going. Yeah. We could do it as like a live stream and just sit That'd here be forever. <laughs> That'd be so bad. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. But it's a terrible idea that I want to do. I'm not even brave enough to host a live stream. I would never be able to be as brave as Violet Jessup. You realize at some point we're going to be doing live streams. No, I know. It's a joke. Good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Yeah. I was going to have to, you know make you face your fears a couple times, have some near drowning so that it didn't seem like it was as difficult. But mm. I'm glad to hear that that was a joke. Yeah, it was a joke. Good. It better have been because uh, you'll be facing that soon. Yeah, yeah. You know who else is going to be facing us on live streams? Who? All the people that follow us on Instagram. <laughs> oh, man. You're so... Never mind. <laughs> the organic transitions that you give us are just... They're beautiful. They're wonderful. You can't even tell that you're transitioning into something because it's just so natural. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do it at hyperfocuspod. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at hyperfocus underscore pod. If you want to follow us on TikTok, hyperfocuspod. Correct. And you can also send us an email at hyperfocuscast at gmail.com. I thought you were going to leave out the at gmail.com. I was like, yeah, just 
hyper-focused cast. They it's can guess. good enough. You'll They'd figure it correct. out. We also just wanted to take a quick second to say thank you for all of the love and support that you've been giving us yes, over the past you. few weeks um, in our first three episodes. This has been actually going a lot better than we expected it to. Yeah, we've been really enjoying it. We've been really enjoying the engagement and the excitement from you guys. Um, talk to us. Like, talk to us. <laughs> I don't know how to, how to expand on that. Uh, I mean, we've, we've told you every episode, like how to connect with us and um, mm-hmm. to send us your ideas. Please do so. We need your ideas. We value you guys and we want you to interact with us if you're listening. Um, also, if you guys have been enjoying us, uh, that was a cross between this and us, mm-hmm. if you have been enjoying this, um, please, if you feel so inclined, take a second to review us on iTunes. That would be a huge help for us. Yes. And we also really, that gives us a really personal way to know what you think and also yeah. helps other people find us, which as we know, is a win for everyone. It is a win for everyone, but also um, don't review us unless you're going to give us five stars. Yeah, that's really important. That's, if, if you don't want to give I us mean. five stars, send us an email so we can at least delete that. <laughs> I was just going to be like, uh, or just get better opinions, but I, that's not bad either. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. We, we will delete. Although we do emails. value what you think, as long as you like us a lot. As long as, correct, as long as your opinions <laughs> are right. So anyway, review us. Give us five stars. And thank you for coming and hanging out with us today. We love ya. Stay chaotic, babes. Didn't we say we were going to record less things that had to be taken out? Shut up. Be quiet. (laughs) Don't look at me. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.